guys. Welcome to another episode of The Whiskey Consultant. Today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite categories of bourbon, the weeded section. So if you're ready to learn, get those whiskey glasses out because class is now in session. Hello, whiskey fans, and welcome to another episode of The Whiskey Consultant. I'm your host, Susie Lee, and I'm recording this from the beautiful Mile High City of Denver. Hope everybody's having a great week so far. So, it's been a long five or six months since I recorded my last podcast. A lot's happened, life's happened, and the liquor business is busy as usual. So, I was a little remiss in thinking that I could do one every week, but hopefully now that things are kind of quieting down, we're getting into summer, people are more likely to buy wine, RTDs, mixers, things like that. It's kind of slowed down. So, the holidays, of course, are going to be busy, but of course, things are starting to open back up now that we are no longer under mask mandate, and now that the weather is nice, people are going to start going out to bars and restaurants and hanging out there instead of at the local liquor stores, which that used to be the only place that was open, so I get it. Um, But with that being said, and now things are starting to go back to whatever normal was before COVID happened, that bourbon still has been a huge player in the kind of home mixologist. Um, There's been a lot of people that are getting into bourbons, whiskeys, Japanese whiskeys, and definitely scotch as well. Scotch is taking kind of a downturn here in America. The tariffs have made it really expensive. They'll always take off well during the holidays and things like that. But um, this really isn't the season for scotch anyway. But you'll, you'll always have your scotch on the rock drinkers sitting out by the pool somewhere. So while the whiskey section may take a hit in the next few months, everybody will come back right before the holidays and around Thanksgiving and things like that when the weather gets cooler. But I wanted to talk about one of the best sections of bourbon that I think is out there. It's a very small section. It's very limited. But that's going to be your weeded section. Weeded has definitely taken off in the last couple of years with the bourbon boom. There's been more offerings and a lot of great local distilleries are, as a matter of fact, are offering weeded versions. I've just got to try the Old Elk, which is a local distillery here in Denver. Their version of a weeded that was $79.99 MSRP. It was an allocation for a whiskey group that was special ordered, and it was freaking delicious. It straight up tasted like caramel sauce on ice cream. It was vanilla. It was chewy. It was sugary, and it was all kinds of yummy. And at $79.99, I expected a lot, and it didn't disappoint. And it's too bad we can't find those on the shelves uh, regularly. But Old Elk is a small distillery anyway. But uh, the whiskey group happened to buy a barrel, and I happened to get a bottle for my own. And it's really, really delicious. So if you're a fan of Weeded, and even if you're not, maybe you've heard of the name W.L. Weller, otherwise known as Weller on the bottle. Weller is acclaimed to being the first original Weeded bourbon, and it is for sure. Weller wanted something different than rye in the mash bill. There's two categories of bourbon. That's going to be rye, and that's going to be Weeded. The only difference is that with a Weeded mash bill, it's all wheat and corn and barley instead of rye. 
frying corn and barley. So you have that to consider. And also it changes the taste profile of said bourbon. Weeded bourbons tend to be a lot heavy on the sweet and the caramel and the vanilla and the fruit because the rye doesn't take anything away from that. Whereas rye is always going to have that cinnamon, nutmeg, clove, black pepper, uh, spice to it. And it's a lot more subtle than rye bourbons as well. And usually the mouthfeel is a little bit different on weeded. Not always. That's not always the case. And it has to be made correctly. But weeded usually are a little bit more chewier on your palate than a rye um, bourbon would be. So Weller, of course, was the first weeded bourbon, and he did it very well. He decided that, like I said, he didn't want just rye on the mash bill, and he wanted to make weeded. So Weller came along in the 1800s and changed bourbon, the face of bourbon, and what bourbon could do. And then um, in the middle, there came this little guy named David Nicholson. And I call him little, and I don't know how actually tall he was, but David Nicholson started out in about the 1840s in the back of his grocery store making his own bourbon and he wanted to do as we did as well so he went to the best of the best and learned how to make bourbon from W.L. Weller that's right he actually worked for Stitzel Weller for a few years before he broke out onto his own and while he was there he met the acquaintance of a bourbon legend Pappy Van Winkle. Pappy Van Winkle also kind of took him under his tutelage and taught him some of the ropes of making good whiskey. And so therefore, if you like Pappy and if you like Weller and if you know both of them, you will find nuances of both in this bottle. It's very complex. It's very tasty. Again, it's like drinking straight up dessert. It's sugary sweet on the front. You can smell that caramel as soon as it opens up. You wonder what they did to the alcohol or if there's even any alcohol in it because it is delicious and smooth and elegant and it's got a nice chew to it it's got a nice mouthfeel and guess what kids it's only 35 bucks a bottle msrp and it's the only thing is it's going to be hard to find for some reason people cannot find it on the west coast and they're having a hard time trying to find it on the east coast too you can be more likely to find it in the south and out here in the west for some odd reason or other it makes its way out here but david nicholson is definitely one of the I will recommend to people if they're disappointed they can't get Weller. Weller, if you didn't know, is a heavily allocated bourbon from Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace is very stingy with their Weller. Even big stores, um, and I, you know the ones I'm talking about, even your big liquor box stores will only get a case of Weller every couple of you know months. And they're not going to get very many. And I say case is probably going to be one or two cases at a time. And the 1.75s are even harder to get than the 750s. Now, the good thing about most of these places is they don't jack up the price. Weller comes in at about 25 bucks to 30 bucks MSRP, depending on where you go. I've seen at mom and pop stores for a lot more, and they have a lot of nerve asking 35 to 40 bucks for Weller. Um, I had a customer come in recently, tell me he bought a bottle of Weller for almost 200 bucks on a website. And I think he got gypped. So he wanted something comparable. He said he really liked the weeded category. And so, like I said, when I think somebody likes Weller, I definitely point them in the direction of David Nicholson. David Nicholson wins over Weller for me. It's more easily to find. It's definitely more complex. And it's only 10 bucks more than uh, the original bottle. So, and you can't go wrong since he learned from W.L. Weller anyway. 
But if you're looking for a good substitute, I say definitely go with your uh, David Nicholson if you can find it. They also do a reserved bottle in a bond. That's going to run you about 54 bucks in this RP. I haven't had the pleasure of trying this one, and this David Nicholson kind of fell in my lap by accident. It was a birthday gift from somebody who knew I liked Weeded, and I was a fan of Weller and Pappy Van Winkle, and that's how I know the story behind that. It's a really good, complex bourbon. It's got a great fruit thing going on with it. It's got a little bit of lemon in that long finish, and it's just complex for that 35 buck price point. But today we're going to be focusing on another famous weeded, which is Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark is totally different from Weller and David Nicholson, um, though, because Bill Samuels actually wanted something totally different than Weller. So he, as well, learned how to make bourbon at Stitzel Weller, and he worked for them for a while as well. And his vision was to make his own bourbon, much like David Nicholson. And he kind of came after David Nicholson, though. So he came around in, like, the 1950s and um, in that year when bourbon really wasn't taking off. And he made bourbon a commodity. Him and his wife Margie were pioneers in the bourbon industry. In fact, his wife Margie is in the Bourbon Hall of Fame, and she kind of helped break the glass ceiling for women in the bourbon movement. So Maker's Mark does something totally different, which is they use winter red wheat. They also do things differently at their distillery. They have three levels. that One's hot, one's mediocre temperature, and one's basement level, so it's really cold. And throughout the year, they rotate all those barrels. They have special like lifts and stuff that rotate the barrels all over the warehouse. The the warehouse in the bottom is limestone so when it's finished in the bottom it picks up some really great flavors and we'll talk about why the limestone is important as well here in a minute too because it plays a part in this one they do different categories now it used to be just the original but in the last few years they've come out with makers 46 which is a stave induced makers mark um and is very very yummy and it's going to run you about uh, 10 bucks more than the original makers makers you can usually find for 25 to 35 bucks a bottle it's always been considered a high-end bourbon and it really does drink like a high-end bourbon my first bourbon taste ever was a makers mark and to me makers mark has always been reminiscent of a werther's caramel candy that red winter wheat really does something to the mouthfeel to the texture to the flavor profile and it's it's, it's not super sweet, maybe like David Nicholson or Weller, but it's definitely complex and it's definitely got a lot of caramel, vanilla, and a lot of stone fruit flavors at the end. It's just delicious. Plus that little tobacco thing that happens in the middle is definitely a maker's kind of signature move. So Makers has started doing something recently with allocated bourbons. We call them allocated because they don't release these very often. And when they do, it's usually two or three barrels at a time. And everybody gets their share and that's it. It's done and you can't find them anymore. But what Makers has done, they started doing a wood finishing oak series. Now, this is uh, Woodford's been doing double oaked and stuff like that. This is a little bit different. So I researched the science behind 
why this is kind of a different bottle than regular Maker's Mark. Um, because Bill Samuels and the people over at Maker's Mark, they really hand do every barrel. They hand dip every bottle. They're really about very um, specific ways of doing bourbon. So I was interested to see in the kind of different ways they were going to do this. But this is sort of ingenious. So they take 10 pieces of stave, and they season it in the fire, They and they season it in the oven, and then they take it down to their limestone warehouse, and they put it into the warehouse, kind of just throw it around, and they let it sit. And that limestone warehouse where all that bourbon from other barrels is evaporating and the angels are getting their cut, you know, the angels cut is when they, the uh, bourbon starts becoming bourbon and it starts evaporating into the air. And then that gets into those staves. So they take their cash strength makers, which is delicious anyway, and they throw 10 of these staves into the barrel when it's getting ready to finish. And let me tell you, that really does something to the regular cast strength anyway. I've had the cast strength, which is mighty fine. It's really tasty. It may be a little on the heavy on the ethanol compared to regular makers, but that's because you're used to regular makers. So that's going to be a hundred and almost 10 proof on the cast strength and it, it's very apparent. It's going to be hot if you don't know your bourbons very well and even for a wheat it's still going to be a little burny. Um, but this one is just the complete opposite. The first time I took a sip out of this one I, again, I was wondering, like Nicholson, where did they put the alcohol? This is supposed to be 110.5 proof. It did not drink like 110.5 proof. It drank like a like a really low 93 or 95 proof bourbon. This is delicious right off the bat. You get that butter, that caramel, that vanilla, and then as you get into it, the mouthfeel is simply elegant. You get a buttery chewy almost mouthfeel out of it it coats your palate it coats your lips it kind of lingers it doesn't burn on your palate maker's mark does tend to kind of burn on the palate a little bit and even going down this one is so freaking smooth i mean it is smooth with five o's and i i you know don't like to necessarily call bourbon smooth a lot of bourbon lovers will kind of steer clear from that uh version of the word just because smooth to you and me mean different things so while this still has a burn this still has a kick you know you if I tell you it's smooth you're gonna you're gonna probably think uh, that's not what it means so um I don't want to steer you wrong it does you know have a burn it is 110.6 proof but it's not something that uh, an experienced whiskey drinker couldn't handle or somebody who already likes Maker's Mark so the 10 staves that they threw in here are delicious and the staves do something completely different to the bourbon that's already Maker's Mark like I said Maker's Mark comes out the original with a, with a very caramel candy-esque flavor to it. This has a lot of fruit in the middle. You can taste the marshino cherries almost. It's got a lot of, um, a little bit of that oak in there and a little bit of that tobacco leather in the end. And it is definitely, definitely a complex bourbon. Now this one's going to run you pricey. It's going to run you $59.99 MSRP. I had to pay 70 bucks for it because of the retail after the end of the day. And, you know, we don't get a discount on Alakita bourbons at my store. And actually, I had to sweet talk my boss and let me buy this bottle. So um, I really wanted one. <laughs> but uh, we only got a case of this. 
this and they went pretty fast. But they're definitely, definitely tasty. I would seek them out. They're doing another one in uh, the fall. They're going to do a FEA 02 release. This one's an FEA um, uh, OE, no, sorry, F. FAE01 release. If you're wondering what FAE stands for, well, I did too, but that means it's going to stand for fatty acid esters. So fatty acid esters are going to be what gives you that fruit, what gives you that mouthfeel, what gives you that uh, leather tobacco overtone. And that just, with the stays, that just kicks up the FAEs even more than if it just sits in the barrel. Whiskey already has FAEs in it, um, of course, and we've talked about non-chiltered versus um, uh, chilled bourbons and the reasons why people tend to like non-chilled filtered bourbons better than chilled is because once you once you cool down the bourbon it does something to the FAEs in the bourbon and that fat and the oils and all that kind of it, it messes with the properties that's why I told you never to put bourbons in the freezer or the fridge because it will um, kind of over time dull the uh kind of properties of your bourbon and FAEs are part of that so it's definitely sciency it's definitely a project for the people over at Maker's Mark um, and it also has this reminiscent of a warehouse feel taste to it when I opened it up it smelled and I've been to Maker's Mark before it was a lovely lovely day um, I left a very buzz. They give you very good samples. And hopefully now that COVID's over, people can, can go back to Maker's Mark and visit. Um, but they give you lots of great samples. And this is where I learned how to do the Kentucky Chew of tasting bourbons. And it's, uh, it's a fun day. But if you go down to their limestone warehouse where you do their tastings, it is definitely a signature smell to it. Any warehouse actually is going to be like that. Old Forester, I'm sure, smells like that as well as others. But there's that angel's cut in the air, and it's so condensed in that limestone warehouse because nothing is seeping out. It's cold, and that is where that smell comes from. So like Old Forester has kind of a warehouse feel, taste to it, this does as well. And I smell that as soon as I pop this bad boy open. It was delicious. I don't think you need to let it sit out. An unexperienced drinker trying this for the first time may want a piece of ice, but I think you can actually handle this one. It's so darn smooth. So if you're looking for something new and something to collect, these would be great heirloom presents, presents for a special occasion, open when only kind of thing, and, you know, something to start collecting over the years because every one of these bottles is going to taste different. Um, you can always find Maker's Mark Original on the shelf and the cast strength as well, usually and those are going to run you, like I said, about 25 to uh, 40 bucks MSRP, depending on where you go. The Weller, again, is going to be an allocated. Every Weller I've ever met has been on an allocated shelf somewhere in some of these liquor store. Those you can probably find a little more easily than, uh, say, Blanton's or something like that from Buffalo Trace. Um, liquor stores tend to get a little bit more of those than they do everything else. But um, the David Nicholson, hopefully, 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 you can find those on your shelves today. I do recommend if you're a fan of Weller, if you're a fan of Maker's Mark, this is a great in-between. This is a great substitute and a great bourbon on its own. David Nicholson really, really knew what he was doing back in his 1840s day. The bottle is cool. It has this Cadillac-ish look to it almost. They changed the label this last year. 
and even my friends, a couple of my bourbon buddies say that this is better than Weller. So go out, and I think that's the next bottle you should buy. If your liquor store happens to have one of these Maker's Mark Wood Finish Limited Edition FAE01 series, go out and buy that one. Wait for the one to come out in the fall, the FAE02 series, and I think you won't be disappointed. Okay, guys, well, that does it for me today on The Whiskey Consultant. Send your whiskey-loving buddies to listen to me every Wednesday. I'll be glad to have them. And if you have any comments, questions, and you're drinking this summer, please show me what you're drinking. I love to see those pictures of you guys hanging out by the pool or grilling or whatever you're doing, plus, you know, whatever you're grilling, too. But uh, if you have, like I said, if you have any comments or questions, please head on over to my Facebook and don't be afraid to ask. Hopefully things will start running here smoothly from now on. I can't say that's always the case with me. So uh, buckle up. Like I always say, it's going to be your ride. And as always, guys, keep testing, keep trying, and keep exploring the world of whiskey. Cheers. Cheers.